everybody and welcome back. Hope you had a restful weekend and you're prepared for a productive week ahead. Uh, before we get into the text for today, I thought I'd give you a sense as to the arc of this journey that we're on together. We're oscillating back and forth between the Old and New Testaments to touch on several significant themes that track throughout the Bible and that culminate in Jesus' life and most especially in his crucifixion on Good Friday and his resurrection on Easter Sunday. The intent is that we begin to understand the big story of Scripture, that we see Jesus as the hero of that story, and then we identify how God is leading us to get wrapped up in that story. Sound good? I know that it does, so uh, let's get back to it. Father, we're grateful for today and for this time together. We ask that you help us hear and discern what it is that you have for us in your word. Uh, we open our hearts and our minds to you now. Keep distractions far from us. And God, we ask that you would reveal yourself to us, that we know you better and experience life just as you intended it. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So today we're in Genesis chapter 4, and we're going to read the first 16 verses. Adam made love to his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out into the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where's your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which open its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is more than I can bear. Today you are driving me from the land and I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on the earth and whoever finds me will kill me. But the Lord said to him, not so. Anyone who kills Cain will suffer vengeance seven times over. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one who found him would kill him. So Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. As we read and reflected on the story of Adam and Eve last week, we began to understand uh, this condition of sin and the consequences that accompany it. We saw that sin ruined the relationship between God and people, that they could no longer live directly in his presence. We, we also saw that sin ruined the relationship between people and the creation, uh, that they were no longer guaranteed the productivity for which they were intended. Instead, they'd have to work with pain and difficulty 
to get what they needed to survive. Today, we see that sin also ruined the relationships between people. Now, we're not told exactly why Abel's offering was received by God with favor and Cain's wasn't, but verses 3 and 4 do provide us with some insight. They say that Cain brought some of his fruits of the soil, while Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. Both men seem to believe that God was responsible for the success of their work, and their offerings were to acknowledge this. Yet there was a difference in the gifts that I believe revealed a difference in the two men's hearts. You see, Cain gave out of what he could see, and Abel gave out of what he couldn't see. Cain gave what he thought he could spare to still have enough. But Abel gave freely, some might even say irresponsibly, but he was trusting that God would be enough. Think about it. Cain gave from the harvest. He could see what he had brought in, assess it, project out his future needs, and give God whatever was left over. Abel, on the other hand, gave from the firstborn. These would be the first of his animals to mature and produce And so sacrificing them would mean that he had to put his hopes on whatever came after and that that would be enough. There was no calculating. There was just trust that God would provide. In our modern culture, I think there's this false dichotomy that sometimes express that there are people on the one hand that live by faith, religious people, and on the other, there's people who don't, secular people. I would argue, though, that everyone lives by faith. Both religious and secular people have faith, uh, for instance, that their marriages won't fall apart um, because it simply can't be proven in the moment that it won't. Uh, Both religious and secular people know that they, they can't prove that they'll have a job tomorrow, but many absolutely believe it because they orient their time and money and energy around. As I sit here, I can't think of anyone that I know at the moment who lives as though they might die today, but it's absolutely possible that it will happen for each one of us. Abel's faith was in God. He was free to give God his, his best because he believed God had the best for him. He believed that God would take care of him. Cain's offering was lip service because his faith, his his trust, his deep-seated trust was in himself. He held back from God to be sure that he had enough. Verses 4 and 5 tell us that, that the Lord looked favorably on Abel's offering and not so on Cain's, and, and that when he did this, Cain became very angry. When God saw his response, he, he pressed on him lovingly. Why are you angry? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? In other words, I think God was saying, I still love you, Cain, but you didn't give me your best. I understand you're disappointed and I'm okay with that, but you can't be angry with anyone but yourself. You were in complete control of your actions and you held back from me. Why would I look on that with favor? I am absolutely convinced that if Cain had admitted his error and asked for forgiveness, God would have given it to him. Uh, Their relationship from then on would have been restored. Cain never did admit any wrong, though, nor did he try to make things right with God. He let his anger fester 
and, and in a sad and sinister moment, it turned into rage that turned into hatred that ended in homicide. I encourage you to reread this passage on your own and do it through the eyes of Cain. When I did that and I got to verse 13, I had this vivid and just incredibly heavy image. I got this image of Cain dropping to his knees, his body weak from the weight of what he had done, his brother's blood still stained on his hands. I will be a restless wanderer. Restless. That that word just catches my attention. Because he never owned his shortcomings and never asked for forgiveness, he was forced to endure the consequences of that for the rest of his life. I wonder if he ever slept a full night again. So, so what's in this passage for us? For me, it's the Lord's war- warning to be on guard against the animal of sin crouching at my door, waiting to strike me and destroy my life and my relationships. I I have to believe that at last Cain wondered, how did I get here? This all started with some fruits and vegetables, and now I will never be able to get that image of my dying brother out of my mind. The Bible makes clear that no human is without sin, and we see that uh, in Cain's life here. But the reality is that I see that in my life every single day. What I think makes it hard for us to relate to Cain, though, is that we're not that bad, right? We're not murderers. Sure, we all make mistakes, but nothing like that. Sufjan Stevens wrote a song called John Wayne Gacy Jr., Um, that for me is incredibly dramatic. It it tells the very real horrors of this American serial killer um, who was found guilty of murdering 33 people in the 1970s. The song is beautiful musically, but it's really hard to listen to when you know that it's about how could a person be that broken, frankly, be that evil? It's crazy, though, because Stephen's last lines of the song go, and in my best behavior, I am really just like him. Look beneath the floorboards for the secrets I have hid. The challenging reality for me is that I am no different from Cain. I'm just a man just like he was, and I have to be careful I must take sin seriously. I must be on my guard. I must be humble, willing to admit my self-centeredness and ask for forgiveness because sin is always crouching, always ready to strike, always ready to make things worse for me if I overlook it or brush it aside. How about you? Is there anywhere in your life where you're giving sin an opportunity to hurt you? Uh, an area of selfishness maybe that you're brushing off, believing that it's no big deal. Let's be people who are willing to own our mistakes. Uh, Let's not take it out on others, but let's take it to God and receive the freedom that comes from his forgiveness. Lord, we thank you for loving us enough to warn us. Uh, We admit that we hold back from you, that there are areas of our life uh, where we don't give you what you deserve. We ask you would forgive us, 
and that you would guard us from anger. Guard us from the one who seeks to take us down and destroy our lives and continue to show us ways in which we've grown numb and blind to our sin. Not, not so that we are burdened, but so that we can come to you and be forgiven and be restored. We thank you that Jesus bridges the chasm caused by our sin, and it's in his identity that we pray. Amen.